Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Filmcast, a podcast about movies. My name is David Chen, and the only reason why Strange Love should be mentioned in conjunction with today's movie is if you're saying it's strange that people love it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Joining me today is Devendra Hardwar. Man, it's a good thing this movie is completely fiction and we don't have a certain apocalyptic event headed our way that we're doing nothing to prepare for. <laughs> we <laughs> live in laughter. hell. We live in hell. <laughs> Sorry, David. I didn't mean to step on no, you No, it's good. It's all, um, it's all good. Jeff Kanata. My name is Jeff Kanata, and we're all going to die. <laughs> Tonight on the film cast. <laughs> God, okay, I didn't know if that was the end of it, Jeff. I, didn't know that, 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 yeah, I did the opposite there. I didn't know if you finished yeah, there. Yeah, no, I did. That's um, your Kent Brockman. You know, like, he's at 11. Welcome to the show, everyone. Those are all kind of references to the fact that today on the podcast, we're going to be reviewing Adam McKay's movie, Don't Look Up, on Netflix. Uh, And it was number one on Netflix for for quite a while, if I'm not mistaken. I think it's... uh, I I read somewhere, I remember reading uh, something like it was one of the biggest Netflix mm -hmm. movies of the year for them. Yes, I think that's Right at the end of the year, yes. Yes, you know, there's no accounting for the taste of the uh, American population, Jeff. But anyway, (laughs) I'm giving too much away about what our review is going to be like. You can find more episodes of the podcast at thefilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. If you want to support the show, easy to do that by going to patreon.com slash filmpodcast. I want to just start real quick by saying uh, we got a lot of uh, awesome feedback on our top 10 episode last week. It was very, very gratifying to see all that, you know? Yeah. Um, The team worked really hard on it. Uh, All three of us, plus Beatty, uh, worked really hard to put together what I think was a really, probably one of our, if not our best one of those episodes. And so I'm grateful to all of you, grateful to Beatty, um, grateful to everyone who listens and all of our patrons for making the show possible. But I just thought I was really happy with how last week's episode turned out. And um, yeah, and thanks guys. Thanks. Thanks everyone. to uh, everybody who took the time to send us a, a kind note. It, yeah. it is appreciated when people actually sit down and, and send us an email that isn't uh, angry, you know, because <laughs> angry, angry is a good motivator to get someone to write an email. Uh, happy is usually just like, Oh, I feel happy. I'm going to keep going with my day. But when people take the time yes. to send the positive stuff, it is appreciated. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so thanks so much for all that, uh, all, all that kind commentary, and uh, it really is is motivating because I think we we put more work into that episode than most other episodes this year. And I'll just say, like, it was um, December was a tough month for the podcast. I'm going to put that out mm-hmm. there, not because of any sort of internal strife or anything like that, but just because. We, I think we all worked really hard in December. We all watched a ton of movies. We did our Matrix retrospective. Yeah. Um, many of us were going to theaters to watch these movies. You know, like it's just December is also CES like prep month for me. So it's also yeah. I've been working extra hard on the other job and yeah. also it's, all the movies. It's it's fun. It's it was just it's just a lot of stuff. And so I think stuff. this episode is going to be relatively laid back by comparison. Um, but again, thanks to everyone for their support. Okay, couple things we want to talk about before we get to what we've been watching today, uh, and then. With uh, we'll conclude with our review of Don't Look Up. Uh, the uh, a lot of people have passed away over the course of the last couple of weeks. So many uh, that Yeesh. we haven't had a chance to talk about. Twenty twenty two is 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 calling it shot early. It's yeah. uh, exacting its revenge on us for feeling any kind of hope. <laughs> uh, Betty White, I think, passed away the on December thirty first. New I Year's Eve. Correctly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Bob Saget passed away recently, Sidney Poitier, Peter Bogdanovich, 
um, all giants in their own way in mm-hmm. the entertainment industry. And uh, yeah, I mean, are, are there any of these that like particularly resonate with you guys or that like st- stick out in your mm-hmm. mind as you're thinking through sort of uh, your life in the entertainment industry, your your mind in the entertainment industry, guys? I did want to highlight all Sidney Poitier. Yeah, I mean, yeah. all of them. They're all, they're all like titans. But Sidney Poitier in particular, like what he did for basically making it possible for you know to have black leads in movies i think like he paved the way for so many people i also always appreciated him as a like as a west indian actor and as somebody who's like done movies about places uh you know the place i was born uh his his um his film to sir with love is about a guyanese uh teacher and it's sort of like one of those it's one of those like movies about a teacher who comes in and learns something from his students and they learn something from him. I think it was like one of the first ones to kind of do that too. Um, and I always appreciate that. And he was, he was great in everything. And I also like, I really, and that's just me. I love him in sneakers. I love sneakers so much. And he is. Sure. Yeah. I think, I think folks, our generation and certainly geeks, our generation, uh, sneakers was you know sneakers was the movie i guess that kind of introduced him to me right because it was before i you know really studied acting and stuff and you go man this guy's awesome he has such gravitas and presence uh in that movie he he's he's this sort of uh you know the 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 paternal figure in that film and uh i i had no idea the weight that he carried with him he just you just felt mm-hmm. it in that movie I, I had no context for that and then you know i started studying acting in earnest and you know you see in the heat of the night and you go my god this guy uh you know and, and just an incredible career uh you realize just what what power he brought to every single role it's uh it's it's he was you know it's like um uh, he he's he, if you're doing the Mount Rushmore of acting, he's on it for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Film acting, that is. Yeah. yeah. I'm gonna say that uh, no no you know disagreement with anything you're saying about Sidney Poitier. I'm just gonna highlight a different one of the people we just mentioned, which is sure. that um, Bob Saget was, came out of nowhere. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, just like the news of his his passing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I, I guess I'll just say he was a huge part of my childhood. Yeah. Um, between Full House. And I think I, I saw a tweet that I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I don't know who said it, but basically like uh, people of the younger generation don't understand that before there was YouTube, Bob Saget basically presented us the highlights every week on TV. Yeah, and Once we loved it. We loved it, damn it. Even even if yeah. his jokes were corny then. Yeah. America's Funniest Some Videos. And, and I always like that he had like this kind of alternate persona, right? Of like mm-hmm. this very family friendly guy. And then also on stage, he is absolutely yeah. filthy. You know, then you, we, I think we all had that point where you grew up a little and you're like, oh, he's he's a very blue comedian, isn't he? And yeah. then the aristocrats happened and you know, I should rewatch that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah America's but... Funniest Home Videos is such a <laughs> such a crazy thing to look back on, right? Because it's <laughs> mm-hmm. it really presages an entire media type mm-hmm. you know like mm-hmm. like it, it is it's tiktok and youtube and all of that <laughs> and like and like vine you know it's like yeah it, it's like all those things before there were those things and i remember like being fascinated by the behind the scenes and people they would mail in like truckloads of tapes from their yeah. house, houses just like hey look at these home videos of like me my family doing something really funny and and if you were lucky you got to be chosen and shown on this uh sunday night show and it's just like yeah, yeah. 
What a the, weird the precursor to all the oh no oh no TikTok videos, basically. <laughs> like yeah. that's it. Nice yeah, reference, Devendra. I didn't know you were hot on the TikTok. Things. I uh, I love the talks. Oh yes. If you want a compliment from Dave, just reference TikTok. <laughs> mm, indeed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The the notion that most humans didn't have a video camera with them all the time. You know that it was a novel thing <laughs> to catch some crazy thing on camera. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's wild. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I was a little old, I think for, for, uh, full house. So I didn't, I didn't really, I don't have that touchstone, uh, that I think some others do. I oh, mean, yeah. I was certainly aware of him and we watched America's Funniest Home Videos in my house. You know, it was on whenever that was on, it was on in our house, but, uh, yeah, I mean, his stand up is, is, is really, uh, transgressive and interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, Betty White mm-hmm. is sort of looms over. Uh, she became everything. Yeah, 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 she became. She sort of in the last third of her life became this sort of ambassador. They call the first lady of television, right? She became this sort of ambassador for all wholesome entertainment, and and her timing even into her nineties was kind of extraordinary. The fact that she you know hosted Saturday Night Live in her nineties and. uh was still that vibrant a figure is pretty remarkable. I I had the benefit of meeting her. I think oh, I wow. mentioned. Yeah, I I told the story somewhere. I think it was Twitter. Maybe I don't remember. But um, when I first moved to Los Angeles, I did what most actors do at just trying to be around the industry. And I got a job as a PA on the on a on a set, a production PA on a set for a very short lived. Uh, sitcom called the ladies man if either of you have ever heard of it but it (laughs) starred um um alfred molina it was like an alfred molina star vehicle he he was the ladies ladies man man? yes no he he, it it was an ironic (laughs) title it was an ironic title because he was i would totally buy him as the ladies man yes no, he was a uh, he was a dad, and it, of all daughters, his mom played by Betty White and his wife. So he was the only male in the in the cast, right? He was a, a the lady. They owned this man, right? He had to uh, uh, weird answer to them, right? Um, and Betty White played his mom, and so as a set PA, I drove her and Alfred Molina to set. Uh, and she was exactly as you would imagine her to be uh, delightful, sweet, considerate, um, you know, not standoffish at all. Just, just really a, a wonderful person who, you know, struck up conversations with me, uh, as, as, you know, an, an absolute nobody driving her around. It was, um, you know, it was a, a, a tiny little touch point that I had to this, uh, to this woman, but it, it reinforced my affection for her. Um, and, and the, the, image that you have was exactly what she seemed to embody. I love the story that basically she was on TV before TV existed. You know, yeah. like she did a test broadcast in 1939. Um, and that's just astounding to me. And then all I know her is from golden girls and everything. Uh, but this woman owned TV. It's kind of, kind of crazy that somebody has had a career that's lasted that long. I mean, I, th- I would venture to say what, how you guys feel about full house. Mm-hmm. I feel about golden girls. Oh yeah. You know, like Golden Girls yeah. was a huge part of my life, which is so weird to think that I was like a eight year old kid or something, you know, something <laughs> like that, like watching a, a, a sitcom about these 
retirees. You know, it's just such a strange notion, but I was riveted by it. And so much of that is the four, you know, central characters, comic timing. They, they had, it was a, it's a clinic in multicam sitcom timing. Uh, she's amazing. There was a bunch of things that surfaced in the last week uh, after she passed of, of moments where she would just improvise on set and crack the other women up. Mm-hmm. And, and she completely plays it straight as a complete straight face, you know, just deadpan brilliance, brilliance, brilliance. Well, I think uh, 2022 has been pretty rough so far in, in terms of losing these greats. Um, but uh, yeah, it, uh, you know, if anything, the last few years have shown us that life is really precious. And so I, you know, I, I support letting people who you think are great know that you think they're great uh, please, as soon please. as you can. Um, and uh, I, I think the passing of all these amazing talents uh, is just another uh, a testament to why that's important. Um, but anyway, um, any other thoughts or shall we move on, folks? Well, I, I just feel like we, we shouldn't pass over Bogdanovich. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. Do you guys have a uh, uh, any kind of uh, reverence for his? I know he he is of a, a different era than uh, we came of age, but he is revered for mm-hmm. kind of being a brown great brown breaking a groundbreaking <laughs> uh, filmmaker. I mostly know him for like him as a presence, right? I see him in TV shows and I see him in yeah. movies, right? But uh, I don't think, uh, yeah, I've never really like latched onto any of his movies. There are some I definitely need to catch up on. Uh, same. I'm kind of the same as Devendra. Like he's he is somebody whose work I wish I was more familiar with. Um, and it's kind of a a big hole in my sort of uh, viewership history that I have not uh, watched movies like Last Picture Show. Um, I am familiar with uh, Noises Off and mm-hmm. and she's funny that way and and so on. But like he's not like I I, I know him more as uh, an actor. Than a director, yeah, like in The yeah. Sopranos, watched, right? Yeah, yeah. He was uh, he was played uh, excellently. Melfi's therapist in Sopranos. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I. Uh, uh, but again, had a lot of gravitas. Super talented, and he's somebody who like now I need to go back and like revisit his work. Mm-hmm. Um. But Jeff, any any thoughts on Peter Bogdanovich? Yeah, no, I, I'm the same. I think I know him more as his reputation. Um. And and I on my pile of shame, you know, my sort of uh, these revered films that I have never gotten around to seeing uh, near the top of that stack is the last picture show. I've always heard uh, great things about it. It is, it is revered as one of the great coming of age stories uh, ever put on film. And and so I, I, I want to see that movie. I have not ever watched it. Well, maybe we will have a chance to check it out in the near future. But um, yeah. yeah, man, he he directed Sidney Poitier into Sir with Love too. I did not know that existed, but okay. Really, don't want to call it three Sir with Love. Yeah, <laughs> please, sir. May I have another? Yeah. <laughs> All right, folks. Uh, well, I did want to mention one other thing before we get to what we've been watching, which is the Golden Globes were last night. Were they? Did anyone anyone <laughs> if realize a golden that that globe was the case? falls in the forest and no one is around to see it, Dave? If, if a tweet is posted without naming the movies <laughs> the awards are for, do, does, does it really exist? You know, what a bizarre spectacle these things were. Um, so yes, I mean the Golden Globes. Uh, they have always been widely known as a fairly corrupt organization and um, engaged in practices that were. 
let's just say uh, suboptimal given our current environment in which um, we value things like diverse perspectives. Um, but they were also an incredibly useful marketing tool on behalf of Hollywood and on behalf of movies. Uh, that that time appears to be over, uh, given what happened last night. So if, if you didn't know that the Golden Globes were this week, you would be forgiven because there was no broadcast. It was it just happened in a hotel, and the, the awards were handed out with a very small group. And uh, I don't I don't even know if they were, I don't believe they were physically handed to anyone, right? No, nobody was like there. Announced. Yeah, nobody, nobody was, was there. there. Yeah. So I, I, um, to me, the highlight was the whole Twitter thing, where people oh, yes. just started realizing that I think maybe fifteen minutes before. Everything began. Somebody was like, oh, shit, we should be tweeting this, huh? And then then somebody would just started like really just riffing, riffing on <laughs> random ideas and concepts as they wrote up these awards. It's amazing. Yeah. OK, so I'm going to read to you a couple of the best ones of these tweets. OK, um, so. <laughs> it's amazing. The West Side Story won best picture, uh, best motion picture, musical or comedy. All right. And West Side Story, you know, we've all seen West Side Story. We all we all liked it. It's a very very sad story. West Side Story is right. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it's not a, not a happy story. West Side Story, um, very tragic story. Uh, <laughs> here is the tweet that accompanied West Side Story winning for best motion picture musical comedy. If music is the best medicine, West Side Story is the cure for what ails you. Congrats on the Golden Globe for best picture slash musical or comedy. Um. Uh, you know, I tweeted this out earlier, and somebody speculated that they probably just pre-populated these tweets uh-huh. without any regard for what was actually go into the the winning thing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and they just when they announced, they just like slotted in whatever the winner was. I right? feel like that's a whiff on the uh, and the idiom, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Like, isn't music is it's the music. best medicine? It, yeah. Isn't it? <laughs> laughter is the best medicine, right? If if, yeah. if music be the food of love, play on. It, it feels like that has been uh, <laughs> mashed up with it, laughter is the best medicine. It's, it's, a, it's a double whiff. Here's another one. Here's another great one. Uh, this is for... <laughs> okay. This is for Andrew Garfield winning for yes. best actor for Tick, Tick, Boom. Okay. Quote, it takes 43 muscles to smile. Thanks for the workout, Andrew Garfield. <laughs> Oh, that's... And congratulations for taking home the Golden Globe for Best Actor, Motion Picture, Musical, or Comedy. Not not listening to the movie! Not, well, listening... not only not listening to the movie, but, you know, no no spoilers, but Tick, Tick, Boom is not a happy, fun movie. <laughs> not not at all. It's <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Arguably the opposite, one one might say. One might say it's the opposite of that. It's, it's, so that this tweet like, was that, clearly that... written by somebody who did not see the film. <laughs> that feels like a full-on troll tweet uh-huh. like uh-huh. <laughs> like a the kind of tr- tweet you would it's the parody of like a bad award ceremony mm-hmm. joke mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they they actually deleted that west side story tweet dave and replaced it with the music uh thing so there you go now oh, for, for oh, history okay, so, oh, they, now, you're saying yeah they actually had one that was laughter yeah yeah if, if laughter is the best medicine okay yeah sorry i, I apologize it was actually worse than what i said um, if laughter is the best medicine, West Side Story is the cure for what ails you. <laughs> That's what it originally read. I think you're right. Um, so Jeff, it was even worse. Was okay. even worse. Well, I feel like at least they didn't screw up the idiom that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Say what you will about the tenets of that Golden Globe tweet. At least it's, <laughs> it's an, ethos. an ethos. Um, so here's, a, here's another great one, guys. This, this one is really amazing. Um, 
Quote, every year we see films that make us laugh, cry, and think. <laughs> films that will be remembered. Congratulations, The Power of the Dog, for taking home Best Picture Drama. End quote. <laughs> I, mean, I mean that is just that is art you know yeah that, it's, that it's is like art. an award ceremony as written by the staff of the critic you know or yeah it is yeah. it really it really is it's like <laughs> who doesn't love a, an adorable wet dog congratulations <laughs> the power of the dog <laughs> every day we're reminded of the power of dogs uh, <laughs> And that's why our winner is the power of the dog. Yep. I'll let this guy drive my car any day. <laughs> we should do it. We should do these. This would be fun. Okay. I'm just going to do a couple more, guys. If, if it's up it. to us, it will definitely not be the last duel. <laughs> uh, quote, when you've got your heart, the whole world sings with you. This year's Golden Globe for Best Song Motion Picture goes to. Any idea what it is, guys? Encanto? <laughs> no Time to Die. <laughs> what? <laughs> Actually, that's that a good song, song is badass. That's, that's a good song. Yeah, that I know. Song but, is badass. But, but is that really the way you should introduce it when you've got mm -hmm. a song in your heart, the whole world sings with you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's totally what I do. What what really uh, pains me is I think this is the only award ceremony to give the Underground Railroad like any due. It's you know, true. Yeah, it's true. Uh, and that is that is notable that they did that. Uh, we and, choo choo choose the <laughs> Underground Railroad. <laughs> um, Kenneth Branagh has the right stuff. W R I T E. Oof. Congratulations Amazing. for taking home the Golden Globe for Best Screenplay Motion Picture. And of course, as you as you said, Devinger, they didn't say. For what film? For for what movie? Yeah, one job. You had one job. You know. Uh, oh, I is, will say <laughs> you are. You're right. This is like avant garde. It's like beat poetry as a as a tweet tweet poetry. I guess the nominees for best television actor drama series have brought us on a wild ride this year. But Jeremy Strong is taking home the Golden Globe. Congratulations! It it is. You are right that that it reads like. <laughs> a script that plugs yes. in the name and so the goal was to write something that would work for whomever won <laughs> and 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 ultimately works for none of anybody that won <laughs> okay one last one one last one lean on me this talented actress is being recognized for her incredible contribution to west side story congratulations wow. ariana debose for taking home the golden globe for best supporting actress motion picture end quote Lean on me? What was with the lean on me? I don't... Uh, okay. It's like, why did the general charge for snacks? Yeah. <laughs> of hey, this Golden Globe ceremony. Best part of that movie. Best part of the movie. Yeah. We, uh, we'll talk no disagreement. We'll talk about No disagreement. We'll talk No disagreement. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Golden Globes. Uh, this, this is... I, I just want to say, this is the perfect end. If, if this is how the Golden Globes goes out, this is the perfect way to do it. I'm just putting that out there. So, anyway. Those are our thoughts of the news this week. Hey, it's time for me to jump in here and tell you about our sponsor, Masterclass. This is one of my favorite things that I have access to right now. I am telling you, Masterclass is amazing. You literally have the chance with Masterclass to learn from the world's best minds anytime, anywhere, and at your own pace. I, 
for cinephiles like you and me, if you're listening to this show, you're clearly a cinephile. This is a treasure trove of inspiration, practical skills. You don't have to be an aspiring screenwriter to want to hear Aaron Sorkin teach a class in screenwriting or David Mamet talk about the rhythm of speech or Steve Martin talk about how characters should write dialogue or Shonda Rhimes who says, don't use subtext as text. These are fascinating classes that I have watched that just are, are interesting to hear the best people in the world at things talk about the things that they are the best people in the world at. So yes, practical skills if you want to learn how to do these things, but also entertaining, fascinating, well-produced lectures from the best minds in the world at stuff. And, and you know what else I love on Masterclass? There's a whole section on eggs. Eggs. How to make poached eggs, omelets, scrambled eggs from the best chefs on the planet. These are skills that have actually improved my life. I'm telling you, I make better eggs now because of Masterclass. With over 100 classes from a range of world-class instructors, what class will you take? I highly recommend checking it out. Get unlimited access to every Masterclass and... As a Filmcast listener, you get 15% off an annual membership. Go to masterclass.com slash filmcastpod now. That's masterclass.com slash filmcastpod for 15% off Masterclass. All right, folks, let's move on. Let's get to what we've been watching this week. Uh, you know, I, I actually tried to make a jingle. I almost made a jingle for this this week. Um, it was going to be something like, David Chen listens to Devendra's recommendations, you know, something like that. Because mm. uh, basically all of my, what we've been watching this week is like Devendra stuff. <laughs> um, but uh, I enjoyed a lot of it, so it's okay. It's okay. Um, anyway, sorry. Ne- next time, I'll get the jingle. Next time, guys. Um, I don't understand how I, I watch you on TikTok and you are like this gifted musician and singer. <laughs> uh huh. And then uh-huh. every time you attempt to jingle on the show, it's like you're. What happens? What yeah. happens, Dave? T- TikTok isn't uh, real. It, revol- you it mean, involves why, lots of editing. Yeah. Why is my skill even? Why does my star shine even brighter on the podcast than it does on TikTok? Is that what you're asking? Because no, if so, it's not exactly what I'm asking. I have no answer for you. Uh huh. I have no answer for you. Sadly. Okay, a uh, few things I watched. I'll start with the best thing I watched this week, which is something called The Rescue. Yes. This is a documentary so about the cave rescue that occurred when a Thai soccer team was trapped underneath this like cave that was rapidly filling up with water. Happened, Do you remember when in- we as a, as a human race could get worried about that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. you know, altogether? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's all, that's like, I mean, not to take anything away from those folks who were in legitimate peril, but it just seemed like such a simpler time when we could all rally around being worried about that, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, there is something about like watching all these different countries and h- thousands of volunteers like converge on this one location that kind of is a sign of like the the beauty of the human spirit when it comes together in unity to try to solve one problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there is something lovely about that. Uh, some overall thoughts on the movie. I think you should definitely watch it. You know, it's on Disney Plus. It's called The Rescue. Um, but 
I also feel like uh, this is made by the directors of Free Solo. Mm-hmm. This movie is not as good as Free Solo. Uh, I, I think it actually has a, a significant number of issues from a storytelling slash narrative perspective. Um, I found it honestly occasionally very difficult to follow what was actually happening. Um, and I think the movie does a pretty poor job of conveying like what the stakes are, what the immediate problems that these people are trying to solve are. Um, it's it's kind of confusing and disjointed in my opinion. Um, and also, I think it suffers from focusing a little bit too much on the English-speaking characters mm-hmm. um, or people, I should say, because they're not characters, they're actual humans. Um, when there's like many Thai people who uh, played instrumental roles in this whole thing. And, you know, it's just a bias probably as a result of like this being uh, a movie that was distributed in the U.S. and Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, maybe these English speaking people being more relatable and also they played a critical role in the yeah. rescue itself. But, I think it was more like you know. the, the lens they chose to focus the story through is these group, like crazy group of British cave divers. Yes. This group of old dudes, they just dive into caves for fun. And apparently like they were a pretty important part of this whole thing. Yeah. It's, it's like, so for, for, to, to expand a little bit of one of you're saying, right? Like you'd think if you had all these people trapped under this cave, You'd want like the most elite of the elite mm-hmm. Navy SEALs to to take this on, right? Like that's that is the assumption that everyone made at the time. Is you'd want like the most elite people in the military and stuff who are who are trained at like brutal underwater exercises to like do this. And it turns out that's actually not the case. Um it turns out that like they're not actually trained to endure yeah. what is happening. It, it's uh, disaster w- movie rules, right? Like we need we need those rebels. We need those guys who don't play by the rules. It you literally know? is like Armageddon, yes. where they were like, it's easier to hire uh, drill drillers and teach them to go to space than it is to teach astronauts <laughs> to drill a hole, which is something that Ben Affleck made fun of infamously on the commentary of Armageddon. He's mm-hmm. like, how hard could digging a hole be? Keep digging, keep digging. That's it. That's the whole thing. Until you need to stop. <laughs> That's how you drill a hole. Um, and uh, so it's like, okay, uh, this extremely dangerous situation, uh, the the best people for the job, this group of hobbyist cave divers, like middle-aged, you know, British cave divers. Yeah, former nerds. Really, all of them former yeah, nerds, exactly. apparently. Yeah. It would be like if you're like your obscure hobby, like crocheting or... You know, puzzle doing puzzles or whatever is like it one day happened that like, by the way, in order to save over a dozen lives, we need the mm-hmm. best puzzle piece, you know, puzzle putter togethers in the world. It, it's I, like, I think yeah. it's more almost- like if uh, if if somehow we could save lives by podcasting. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> they had to recruit yeah. a, a group of special podcasters to uh, to save a bunch of children. <laughs> That's what this story is. Yeah it's, yeah. it's it's like that random and that kind of outlandish, basically. Um, and the things Who's that the they best had... at Wordle, yeah, Let's yeah get exactly. them now. And there is exactly. a tra- there is a montage, like you get a montage and you know get the team together and everything. It's great. Oh yeah, there's like a heist like montage. But anyway, it's uh, you know I, I I do have a number of issues of the movie, but at the end of the day, there are moments of just pure transcendence watching this movie. Like what what is being done is so incredible and awe inspiring that th- this is the reason I watch movies is to experience mm-hmm. those moments. And I did have like two to three of those moments, emotional heights, catharsis, everything during this movie. Um, it was a it was a beautiful, intense experience, and I'd recommend. I don't, it. Yeah, I don't mean to indicate that I haven't been listening to you for the last uh-huh. minute and a half. <laughs> yeah, but yep. it occurs to me that the most depressing part of this is that there is nothing that 
we could come up with where they would come to me to save the kids. <laughs> Again, um, that's not have, true, have you, that's have not, you true. not seen uh, uh, what are you thinking of? Um, that is not true. That's not true. I'm going to mm-hmm. come up with one right now. Okay. Try, uh-huh. try and think of one. Yeah. I'm going to come up with one right now. Okay. What's the Ben Affleck movie? That was the fake, uh, the fake movie. A fake movie? Oh, Argo. 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 Yeah. You, you could uh, Argo this shit. Argo. You could totally Argo fuck yourself, Jeff. Yeah. I, no, I could Argo, but they, there's like 400 people they would pick before me to Argo. <laughs> okay, Jeff. No, I'm not I got first one. I got on one. the here's, Argo here's, list. Here's the situation. I'm going to pitch you the movie right I'm now. I'm not okay? saying I couldn't do these things. <laughs> I'm going to pitch saying... you the movie right now. I'm going to pitch you the movie right now, okay? Um, this, uh, this serial killer... You know, picks up a whole school bus worth. Of, he pretends to be a school bus driver, picks up a whole school bus worth of kids. He's like, I'm going to kill all these kids unless I get another episode of the Totally Rad Show. <laughs> <laughs> totally Rad Show is That's my favorite thing. That's actually why this guy became a serial killer. <laughs> right. Because uh, no. he spent that too, was much our time watching demo. too much. That was our, yeah. our target demo. Was, yeah. Uh, he watched too much of it. And yeah. He's like, I need another episode to, to feed my unquenchable lust for more episodes. And once I get it, I'll let everyone go. I mean, you know? I guess, but that's a cheat. That's just a cheat. Like the, the one that's Disagree. Just, it's, it's it's barely more of a cheat than what you see in this film. I'm not I'm not <laughs> like uniquely qualified for that, other than that I just happen to be the yeah. guy that made that show. Maybe you know? maybe if it was like a saw level plan where the kids are actually in like a LARPing situation and the only way the only way to save them is a is a really good dm who's very good at building storylines and deconstructing all of this yeah they're gonna go they're gonna call matt mercer before me not gonna call me everybody else is dead everybody else is dead i can deal with coming up with an outlandish case i can't deal with your insecurities okay so (laughs) i i do i do however i do think this is spec script worthy i i think wouldn't it be great to come up with like what's the what is something that is like famously the, you know, like, like the Beatles getting back together or something mm-hmm, that's famously mm-hmm. like the people involved, even though audiences or, uh, you know, their fans want it, they have refused, they won't do it. That's a great spec script where like <laughs> you have, you know, we need to get the Beatles back together or whatever the equivalent is. Yeah. Uh, or else this person is going to, you know, blow up Times Square or whatever. It's very Galaxy uh, Quest too. Like that's basically Galaxy Quest. Yeah, it is basically Galaxy yeah. Quest. Yeah, oh, yeah, very similar, very similar. Anyway, well, never mind. Um, <laughs> anyway, the rescue is the Galaxy Quest, except real. No, um, uh, I don't mean to tri- trivialize what those people actually went through. I agree with you. We're we're just having a little fun here. But the rescue, in fact, is an incredible film. And uh, again, from a storytelling perspective, pretty kind of kind of surprisingly rough. Like I would actually, mm-hmm. it actually almost feels like it was rushed. Like to, I mean, they to, they to made push. that during the pandemic, I believe. Right. So, exactly. so yeah, it, it just. It feels like there's a few things they could have just sprinkled in there mm-hmm. to like make the story a lot more cleaner and understandable. Um, but you know, whatever. What's here is actually still really compelling. Would highly recommend it. It's the rescue. Mm-hmm. It's on Disney Plus. Okay. Uh, Raging Fire is a movie that I wanted to watch yes. at the end of the year, and it's uh, Benny Chan's movie starring Donnie Yen. Uh, this movie is like complete nonsense copaganda. Uh, <laughs> the plot makes absolutely no sense. Uh, it's really silly and ridiculous, but it also has incredible kick-ass action scenes. And that's why you're watching this movie. Um, I, I, I saw a, uh, an interesting review, Devendra, mm-hmm. uh, of, um, of Raging Fire that is basically like Donnie Yen has, has perfected. Uh, oh, here, here. This is a, a, a review on Letterboxd written by Justin DeClos. 
Uh, and he says, Donnie Yen has landed on a formula for his movies, and I don't like it. <laughs> he plays the world's most boring lead. There's an, often an action scene he doesn't participate, and then there are exactly three fights mm. where he performs a mixture of MMA and full-on brawling. Uh, the fights have fun moments, but they don't feel cohesive and play like a collection of ideas cribbed from other recent hits. In Raging Fire, there are set pieces that reminded me of By Bust, The Raid 2, and even the climax of Bollywood's War, but mm-hmm. they never come close to the originals, end quote. Anyway, I thought that was just very interesting. Like, it, it, it's like, this is the formula. One action scene where he's not in, and then he participates in exactly three fights. And uh, I actually it's, think they're often pretty good. Like, what is, they're pretty what good. is depicted yeah. is just really impressive. I think, you know, J- Justin's review is, is a little bit harsh. The action scenes are really spectacular in this movie. Um, and I do think if you want really great Hong Kong action, Raging Fire is a great place to get it. There, there's a minivan okay. chase in this movie that is... Oh, yes. Batshit awesome. Excellent. So good. Excellent. So uh, not the greatest film, not like uh, Oscar worthy or anything like that. But in terms of like, you know, honoring like the kinds of movies that Benny Chan made, I think this is a, you, you could ask for a lot worse. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I had fun with this. It's a little bit long. It's like two hours long. But yeah, if you want some kick-ass action scenes, Raging Fire available on video on demand or on Blu-ray is a great choice. So uh, thank you, Devinder, for the recommendation. Mm-hmm. Finally, I started Yellow Jackets. Um I'm the Showtime original series. Yeah. Uh, Stephen King complimented it on Twitter this week. Uh, it's very Stephen King. Yeah. Yeah. It's very. It reminds me a lot of like it. You know. Uh, it reminded me a lot of it. It reminded me a lot of uh, Dark, the Netflix original series. Uh, what's another? What's the other show we're watching? Um, Station Eleven. Uh, mm-hmm. It has like elements of Station Eleven. Yeah, where like it goes back and forth in time. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, I gotta say, by the way, that. TV shows have like a mixed track record when it comes to choosing adult versions of younger kids that uh-huh. look like the same person. And I, I got to say, I spend quite a bit of time watching these shows just try keeping track of who's who because like they don't look very similar to it each other. It takes a you know couple I mean? episodes, yeah. Yeah. So lock yeah. it in. But anyway, Yellow Jackets is very good. It's very um, unpleasant. You know, it's very intense and like disturbing, I would say. But so far, the storytelling is very propulsive. I'm like, what's going on with these people? What's the mystery? There's a lot of mysteries that this the show unspools. I'm two episodes in. I, I really think that the the craft is is very admirable. Yeah. And, it, it builds. Yeah. Like I think uh, the, the opening episode, uh, I mean, that thing starts with a group of people hunting down a young girl in what looks yeah. like, you know, a cannibal frenzy, basically. Like that is the introduction to this show. And That's it's the really opening shot the of the show. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and uh, I think it it kind of takes uh, a couple episodes to really like gear up, but once it gets going, there's some good shit in here. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very good. It's very good, and uh, so I'd recommend Yellow Jackets. I'm two episodes in. I think the season finale is airing in the next week mm-hmm. or so. So worth subscribing um, to Showtime just to like check this out, and then you know unsubscribe, and then keep subscribing for all the amazing programming. For Dexter New Blood, yeah, that's what I've been watching. Devinder Hardwar, what have you been watching? Uh, I got to check out A Hero, the next film by Oscar Farhadi, the Iranian filmmaker. Um, I I really like his stuff. Like he is um he is somebody who just directs very human stories in very like intriguing and naturalistic ways. Uh, he he did The Salesman and The Separation a couple years ago. And this movie is just about it's about a guy who's in prison uh, because of debt and he tries to get his creditor to relieve that debt during a two-day leave. Um, This movie goes places because it's really about um, 
something happens like the the main situation here uh that turns this guy into sort of like a, a media star he does something that the world thinks is like oh man this is an incredibly good thing look at this good guy and that should be his gateway to getting out of jail but like a coen's brother movie uh it, it doesn't always go to plan you know like thing, things get messed up and to me it's always really interesting to see how like the drama builds up in an oscar farhadi movie and also the, it's just like you know most of them take place in iran um and it just really gives you a good sense of like you know how normal people live there uh i really dug this movie it should be on prime video soon january 21st i believe so it's definitely worth checking out this is a hero How'd you watch it? Was it a screener or something? It, it, it is a screener, yeah. So I uh, got it. Hey guys, I I joined uh, an Atlanta film critics. Woo! Nice. So, yeah, Devendra is now an Atlantic uh, Atlanta film critic. Congratulations, Devendra. That's awesome. Thank you, thank you. But yeah, that also means uh, hey, I can actually get access to things and talk about movies Yay! before they're released. Yeah, yeah. So this is good. This is something I had access to and did not have a chance to watch, unfortunately. Before the top, would this have made your top ten, Devendra? That's the question. Uh, it depends. It's it's really good. It's really good, but it's also a movie I kind of have to sit with. So it it kind of depends. Yeah, yeah. Um, I will be probably rewatching this movie. It could be a top ten this year. Who knows how things go? I'm looking forward to checking it out. I've heard great things. Um, Oscar Farhadi, one of my favorite filmmakers. A separation, incredible. The past mm-hmm. is incredible. Uh, this movie is called A Hero. I've heard amazing things about it. I can't wait to check it out. It'll hit Prime Video later this month. Uh, Devendra, what else are you watching? I did actually get to see Benedetta as well, which I know you saw, Dave. And uh, I, you know, I'm still trying to, like, come to terms with this movie because I think it's really, it's visually striking. It's really interesting. You know, uh, if you've seen the trailer, if you've heard the buzz about this movie, it's about a nun in Italy who has sort of, like, religious visions. And uh, it's a very sapphic film, you know? Like, she, it's really about a lesbian nun and kind of how that... uh, this is a thing that actually happened. Um, this done actually existed. based on mm-hmm. based off of a true or inspired by true events, I guess mm-hmm. you should say. Yeah, inspired by true events, and this is very much a Paul Verhoeven movie. Like, it is very much exploring Christianity. Uh, I know he is known for being apparently like a scholar of Jesus. Like he is somebody who's very interested in the story of Jesus. So yeah, he wrote a biography of mm-hmm. Jesus. Yeah. So yeah. So he's a really interesting guy, and I think this movie. Uh, there are certainly things in this movie that I don't think I have seen in anything else. So it's definitely worth watching, but it didn't stick with me like, uh, like some of his other recent things like, uh, wow. like L, you know, like I think L mm. is a fantastic movie that really dives into a lot of issues we're facing now. Um, and that this movie is doing a lot of things, but I think like maybe, I don't know. I think I have to rewatch it because at the end of the day, I don't feel like it was really unearthing much. Other than man, life really sucked for uh, for people back then. It, it was uh-huh. really bad, and like the nature of like you know, a church trying to deal with people who out of nowhere can say, "Hey, I, I'm seeing visions from God," you know, and the church has <laughs> nothing like they can't really fight it. Um, and you know, it, it's very much about the power structures of the church and who has power and whatnot. There, I found a lot more to like from L, uh, but this movie is definitely worth a watch. It's Benedetta. And it is available on video on demand and streaming. It was also one of my top 10 films of 2021. And Devendra, you want to hit us with your last, what we've been watching here? My last one is uh, uh, The Last Duel, which we briefly talked about during our uh, our After Dark uh, last week. And incredible film. Incredible, incredible film. 
I think, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I started this movie and uh, I tweeted about it, like as it was going on. I was like, man, the haircuts are really, uh, it's really distracting me in this thing. And then 20, 25 minutes in, I'm like fully on board. You know, my liege has been wronged and I must <laughs> see this story through. And I think it's a really <laughs> fascinating, uh, it is a fascinating way. Um, it's very Rashomon, as everybody has been saying. But I do think it kind of unearths more meaning by doing that like you get this story of um you know kind of a boneheaded knight who is just kind of a dumbass and that is matt damon's character um who apparently is very good at fighting but not very good at anything social like his social graces are not that great um but you see this movie through three different views right you see it through his view you see it through uh, Adam Driver's character, who is his friend, who, uh, you know, allegedly assaulted his wife. Um, and then you see it through the wife, um, Jodie Comer, who basically has to play the same character in like three very different ways. And I think she is astonishing yeah. in this movie. I think Ben Affleck is um, basically as just like a libertine ruler, just like a guy who just wants to like have orgies and drink and everybody like a. Uh, he is having so much fun here. I, I think this movie is just really, really interesting in terms of what it's doing, what it's saying. I really liked how it uh, it did a good job of showing us the same scene through multiple lenses, uh, especially like there's a switch when you go from uh, Matt Damon's view, you know, like he starts the story and then you go through Adam Driver's view and there's like a big battle early on. And in Matt Damon's vision, it's like, oh man, he is, he's the brave hero rallying the troops. And then uh, flash forward to Adam Driver's version of events. And, uh, you know, Matt Damon's character is a big dumbass who's getting a ton of people killed for no reason. And Adam Driver has to save him because he's a dumbass. And I think it's uh, it's just really, really interesting. Like, it, it is exploring a lot about, I don't know, the how much men suck, basically. Uh, toxic ma- masculinity is in there, but also, like, the, the struggles of, like, just being a woman and trying to exist within these gross power structures uh i thought was really really fascinating so yeah i I love this movie it's really good and definitely worth checking out if you've been putting it off i agree i also loved it it was also in my top 10 movies of 2021 uh it's the last duel check it out video on demand it was on sale for ten dollars this week ten dollars for a 100 million dollar film we live in amazing times um but yeah that's the last duel and that is what devinder hardware has been watching this week hey it's time once again for me to jump in and tell you about HelloFresh. I love talking about HelloFresh. I made a HelloFresh meal tonight for my family. It was pork chops with this incredible rosemary sauce, mashed potatoes, and uh, roasted carrots and onions that were unbelievably delicious. This is like restaurant quality stuff. I'm telling you, HelloFresh. You get farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients, seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. You can skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. This is why it is America's number one meal kit. And it is why I have been a happy HelloFresh subscriber for years now. And the new year is a great time to focus on what's most important to you, whether that's saving money by ordering less takeout or learning to cook or learning to enjoy to cook or prioritizing your wellness. HelloFresh is here to help with endless options to make cooking at home simple, and enjoyable. I have become a person that actually likes to cook and I feel pride at cooking for my family because HelloFresh gives me those pre-portioned ingredients. I don't have to 
go to the store and buy a whole bunch of stuff that's just going to end up in the garbage. It's pre-portioned, and it includes farm-fresh produce that arrives within a week. So you get convenience without skimping on quality. You don't have to go to the grocery store. And with 50 menu and market items to choose from every week, including veggie and calorie smart and family friendly and gourmet options. You have so much more variety in your menu. I love it. I'm not eating the same things every week. Recipes like hibachi sweet soy bavette steak and shrimp. What is that? I don't know. I can make it though with HelloFresh and it becomes this restaurant quality meal that I made for my family. Go to HelloFresh.com slash FilmCast16 and use code FilmCast16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. That's HelloFresh.com slash F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T-1-6 for 16 free meals and three free gifts. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. All right. Jeff Canada, what are you watching? Well, I got to start with the thing that I got so excited. You guys texted me because uh, we are all huge fans of a little TV show called The Search Party. Mm-hmm. And I, as far as I knew, I, I knew that they were working on, uh, they had been green-lighted for two more seasons. Oh, no. I knew no. that, but I didn't know, I had no time frame. Uh, a friend of mine said, oh, no, I'd heard that it was coming. But I, I felt like this was a Beyonce drop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I felt like this was out of nowhere. All of a sudden, boom, no fanfare, no announcement, no press release, just boom. HBO Max has got a new season of Search Party, season five. And what a delight. What a, what a lovely beginning of the year present. Uh, because that show is something... Truly special, in my opinion. Um, there's really nothing else like it. It, it. it is a show that from season to season is almost unrecognizable to oh, itself. Yeah. It's always yeah. reinventing itself, yeah. Completely reinventing itself. And season five is no exception. Uh, I, 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 season four uh, ended in a way that felt impossible to <laughs> continue. Mm-hmm. You know, like what, what, mm-hmm. what, what are they going to even do here? And I think the solution to that painting into a corner w- is pretty clever and actually mm. opened up the season into some really fascinating mm-hmm. angles, uh, which again, I could never have predicted. Uh, I just, it's just such a, it, the show is always upending itself. It's always subverting expectations it's always surprising you. And um, I'm just, you know, I'm here to just throw a party for search party because it, it, it's uh, it's a great show. And I want it to keep going and going and going. It, it is astounding, like where this season goes. I'm like halfway through at this point and I am fully on board. And I, I have heard inklings that they, they kind of go all the way with it in terms of like insanity and madness. And I am I'm very much here for it. Like, I feel like. It is a chaotic show that is leaning into the apocalypse in a way that feels very, uh, I don't know, timely right now. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's so darkly funny, too. Mm-hmm. It's really a funny show, but but has stuff to say and is is weird and, you know, it, not always funny. Sometimes it's real dark. Uh, it just it's just there's nothing else quite like it. Mm-hmm. 
I agree. I'm also really enjoying it. Uh, just to be clear, though, this is the final season. This so is the final season. Are you sure? I heard, yeah. it got, I, got, I heard it got green-lighted no. for two. It's, they've been advertising it as the final yep. season. Yep. So mm. it is, this is the final season. Lame. But, um, yeah, uh, I really like the show, and I agree with you that it's it's brave. It's brave of a show to reinvent itself every season because it's much more comfortable to stay in a place where you already know. This show is like the each season is almost unrecognizable from the previous season. And I think there's something really special about that. Not many yeah. shows achieve that. And do it, it, well. it was really funny watching the like previously on search party thing because it's like, <laughs> and, and being like, it's, oh yeah, man. Like, I remember all that. I all can't these believe things that happened. happened in the same show. Yeah, you know? This yeah. show started with one, one thing and it has evolved <laughs> into this crazy, crazy thing. Yeah. 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 But that's search party season five. Uh, Jeff, how far, in, how far in are you at this point? Uh, only four episodes at this point, but oh, me too. I mean, I'm oh. four episodes. Oh, in, I thought yeah. you guys were way farther than me. No, I'm probably going to finish it this week, though. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I've been trying to savor it like a fine wine. Now that mm-hmm. I know it's the last season, I'm really you got to like sip that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Jeff. What else been watching? Well, with my uh, my love of I think you should leave the sketch comedy show. It's kind of crazy that it took me this long to get around to watching the Detroiters. Just Detroiters, yeah. Detroiters, yeah. Have you guys watched it? Yes, it's fun. Oh, I love it. I think it's better than I think you should leave. I, I think it's it's it is so funny, so funny. Uh, it, it is uh, the story of uh, a couple of guys that take over uh, an ad agency that that one of them's father left to them or allowed them to continue, and uh, and it, it has got bizarre sketch comedy kind of DNA in it, although it is a serialized mm-hmm. uh, narrative show it, it it if you've watched i think you should leave which i think all of us raved about um then you kind of understand that style of humor and it's crazy to see that kind of humor work in the context of a much more traditional narrative show because i think you should leave is is sketches and with sketches you can go crazy bonkers weird and and it's great and hilarious but you don't have to you don't have to live with the ramifications of what you've done. And this show somehow gets away with doing that. It, it takes the, it takes the situations into really over the top wacky stuff, which I find hilarious, but then it also manages to keep, keep the narrative going and not, you know, not drop the thread. Um, so Detroiters, it's not a new show. It's, it, it was like what, 2016, 2017, something like yeah, that. Yeah. Like 2017. Yeah. I just never had gotten around to watching it despite the fact that I really loved the, the later work. And, uh, it's man, it is so funny. It's so I good. highly recommend it. It's, I don't think comedy central did a good job of like pushing that show. And they also took their stuff off of Hulu. I think at some point, right? Like it was, it was harder to watch the show than I think it, it should have been over the past couple of years, but you could stream it on Paramount plus now. And it is, uh, it's real good. I, you know, I, I like it, but I just think it, I think you should leave is more like more bonkers and experimental. Uh, but I, I will not, I can't really judge between the two. It's real good. Yeah. So funny. That's Detroiters is streaming right now on Paramount Plus. Is that how you watch it, Jeff? Yeah, I watched or- it on Paramount Plus. I, I basically binged two seasons worth very fast. I it just it it so fun. I mean, I guess they uh they have commented that there's no way they're gonna be able to make another one that the sort of the creative energy of that show is was too much to to sustain. But uh it's a it's a shame because the show is is really clever mm-hmm. and very funny. Um, but, uh, you know, hopefully we'll get more. I think you should leave. I don't know if that's happening or not, but those those two seasons are 
If you haven't heard us talk about those, those seasons, also highly recommended. All right, folks, let's get to weekly plugs. Weekly plugs are the part of the show where we plug something else that we've been making. Uh, I want to plug these Twitter spaces that I do with Scott Mendelson every Sunday morning around the 9 or 10 a.m. time period, Pacific time. Uh, I hang out with Scott Mendelson, who is a box office analyst over at Forbes.com. And we kind of break down all the top five movies of the box office this weekend. And I just feel like I've learned a lot from Scott over the course of the last six months that we've been doing these things. It's been really interesting. Uh, here's a short uh, version of what this week's space was. Spider-Man is completely crushing. It could be, it, it, it could potentially even be Avatar in terms of how much money it makes. Oh boy. Um, but uh, unlikely, unlikely, you know, it's still like around a hundred million dollars out from Avatar, but it's possible. It's possible depending. It is one of the most successful films of all time. Um, the matrix resurrections, unfortunately just has had no legs and, uh, will probably make less money than 47 Ronin. It will probably make less money in its entire run than any of the other Matrix movies made in opening weekend. Um, Pretty rough. Pretty rough. That's a shame, Uh, but extenuating circumstances, you know, and whatnot. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, We're not living under normal times. But anyway, uh, if you want to uh, check out more analysis, follow me on Twitter at Dave Chensky. That's Dave Chen SKY. I also post the uh, audio of those as a podcast on my personal Patreon page at patreon.com slash Dave Chen. I wonder what the streaming numbers of Matrix are, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it had Well, that. that's the thing. I mean, the, we would we would love to console ourselves with the idea that like maybe these things were hits on video on demand, but all available numbers point to none of HBO's movies really breaking out in any big way. Mm. Um, like most of them clocking under three million households. That's not terrible, but it's certainly not the kind of growth that they wanted. And whether and it calls into question whether it was worth giving up theatrical exclusivity for these mm-hmm. movies. So. Um, uh, Divinity Hardware, your weekly plug. Oh, last week was uh, CES, believe it or not. Woo! So we did in, yeah, yeah. Speaking woo. of weird times. Weird times. I did basically three weeks of work, uh, you know, in, within one week. So we did an Engadget podcast episode talking about what we loved and hated at CES. And there, there's some cool stuff we can talk about. What was about your top it. thing? What was your, what did you love? I don't know. I couldn't really <laughs> see anything. I couldn't really you're see so anything. You're that's selling amazing. me on this podcast, Devendra. I don't know. You're really like, selling that, That's basically you're really the show is like... I got to go to New York to check out some stuff from Dell, but beyond that, like we couldn't see any of the cool TV stuff. Like we couldn't, we couldn't see much because it was all remote. So I think the thing I'm personally most excited about is the the uh, QD Quantum Dot OLED stuff we're hearing from Samsung, which could be a big leap forward for OLED screens, and it would be good to have more people making OLED TV screens because right now it's just all LG. So more competition there would be good. I'm excited to see like what those TVs look like down the line. I have a hard time imagining a TV's picture can get better than it is right now. It's really like nitpicky stuff in terms of how well, like colors, I think the biggest yeah. issue. So you know, I love and mm-hmm. am grateful for my OLED uh, TV, but the biggest issue is the luminance is not very good right now. You know, it's, like it's uh, yeah, not yeah. as good in a bright room. Um, and so, if there is a way to make it equally good quality but also bright. Uh, like where where yeah. the sun is in that room, that would be amazing. It'll never be as uh, bright as LCDs because LCDs have a have a big ass backlight. L- basically. LEDs, I think, right? Yeah, LEDs, LEDs, yeah. LCDs. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it'll never be that good, but quantum dots should like help increase luminance a little. And uh, mostly, it's like colors in very very bright scenes. Like that's something that gets a little desaturated on OLED. So 
you know, it's stuff like that. It may, um, may help with heating and other issues too. Like it, it could just be like a, a nice little level up in terms of OLED quality because otherwise, yeah, OLED looks perfect, but th- there's a color range it can't quite hit. So I think it'll be interesting to see like what this leads to. I've heard about like a QD OLED ultra wide computer monitors. There's one, I believe from Alienware. And I like, I, I need that tech. I just want to see what that looks like. All right. Check that out at the Engadget podcast. Jeff Kanata, your weekly plug. It's a new year. You deserve a limerick made just for you. And what better place to get your bespoke limerick crafted by, might I say, a serviceable maker of limericks. Mm -hmm. Myself. I'm not going to overhype it. They're solid limericks. You know, you can get them. Cameo.com slash Jeff Kanata. Had a lot that happened through the holidays. Was was very grateful for that. But don't let the holidays be the only reason that you give a limerick or get a limerick. Limericks are forever. So get a limerick made by me for you, delivered by me to you at cameo.com slash Jeff Kanata, which is spelled with two N's and one T. I mean, we should point out that Grant McConaughey in the chat room that we're broadcasting live on YouTube right now did kind of create a scenario where your skills might be needed, Jeff. You know, quote, we need a limerick stat. We need a bespoke limerick recorded on video. And there's only one man in the world who does that. I think that might be be true. Recorded on video on a platform that hosts a bunch of other BNC-less celebrities. (laughs) We needed stat. Need it. Need it for the to save the world. Indeed. Indeed. That could be you, Jeff. That could be you. Uh, but check out Jeff's cameo. That's his weekly plug. Uh, and if you want to support this podcast, it's very easy to do that by going to patreon.com slash film podcast. It's patreon.com slash film podcast, where you can sign up for ad-free episodes as well as exclusive after darks. Uh, we never want you to donate if it in any way causes you financial hardship. But if you do want to support us, we'd really be grateful for that. And uh, if you want to support us with no money whatsoever, it's very easy to do that, too. Leave a review for us on Apple Podcasts or use Spotify's brand spanking new rate this podcast feature to give us a star rating. Uh, All that stuff really helps a lot. And you don't need any money to do any of that. But to all of our patrons out there, patreon.com slash film podcast, we thank you. To all of you listeners who have rated us, thank you. To all of your listeners who are just not doing anything to contribute to society. We're also grateful because even, even you guys help us to be a good show. So thank you all. Uh, but yes, if you could help us out in any of those ways that I just listed, we'd really uh, be appreciative. Okay. That's all for weekly plugs. Let's get to our review of don't look up. This is not real. This is not real. This is not real. This isn't happening. Uh, tell me this isn't really happening. I hear there's uh, something you don't like the looks of. We discovered a very large comet. Oh, good for you. It's headed directly towards Earth. This comet is what we call a planet killer. At this exact moment, I say we sit tight and assess. Sit tight and assess? Sit tight. And then assess. The sit tight part comes first, and you got to digest it. That's the assessment period. That was from the trailer for Don't Look Up, which is streaming right now on Netflix. It's the newest film 
uh, written by Adam McKay and David Sirota and directed by Adam McKay. I'm going to read the plot summary from IMDb. Two low-level astronomers must go on a giant media tour to warn mankind of an approaching comet that will destroy planet Earth. Devinger Hardwar, what were your thoughts on Don't Look Up? Uh, you know, kind, kind of mixed, but I came away from this movie really appreciating the ending. And you know what? We will uh, we will talk about that during spoilers. But, you know, among the more recent Adam McKay stuff, like I certainly like this more than Vice, which is a movie I could barely stomach. And uh, what was the other one? The Big Short? That was pretty good, you know? But I do think he's kind of, uh, he's kind of hit on a tone and a way of delivering some of these uh, stories about uh, things you wouldn't believe, you know, like, oh, this this agency actually exists. The sort of like movie stopping um, text on screen, breaking the force wall type of stuff. And uh, this movie doesn't pull that too much. There's like one big instance where it does. Um, I do wonder if he's like maybe honing the style a little, you know, because uh, I remember a lot of people really liked the big short. I thought it was fine. Like, I guess it was an enter- entertaining way of delivering that information. I think he's trying to do the same thing with this movie because it's really uh, it's really about climate change. It's really about the things that we are being told right now that are going to happen within 30 to 40 years. And you look around and not many people are doing much about it. Um, so I, I, I really appreciate the spirit of this movie. And I think it kind of leans on a on a really interesting way of like looking at things at the end. Uh, for the most part though, like I really wish, uh, this movie is maybe a little tighter. It feels like it leans a lot on the like improv stuff. Uh, the improv style comedy that McKay, uh, has done a lot with like Will Ferrell and others. Uh, I don't, I I don't know like how tightly written the jokes and everything were. I feel like there's a level of polish this movie could have used because I, I typically like this cast is good. I like these people, uh, seeing Leonardo DiCaprio as like a nerdy astronomer, uh, a little unbelievable, but also totally believable that, you know, uh, he would become sort of like a media darling, you know, in the science community, because we've seen that quite a bit. Um, and there, there are a lot of little things I like. Like, uh, I, I feel like every scene could use, could just use like a little help. But there are some underlying things, such as the general who forced them to pay for snacks which is kind of like a running gag that yes. kept uh, that's part of the film. Best part that, of the film. I I really appreciate just like how how like it became a thing for Jennifer. Like it, it was her uh, her car from MacGruber. You know, like she she just kept <laughs> yes. going back to it. Yes. Um that great, was great funny. Yeah. I think Jennifer Lawrence is great. I th- I think typically everyone's pretty good here. This movie probably bites like bites off more than it can really chew. I don't know what the hell Mark Rylance is doing in this movie. But uh, once it started delving into something like, offensive, I'd argue, but okay, so, go something, ahead. yeah, pretty offensive with maybe people with autism. Um, it, it's, it's just so weird. And it's also like, do you, do you need to go into the like slightly bizarre, um, you know, antisocial tech billionaire? How does this kind of, you know, rope into things? And I think by the end, it kind of makes more sense. But our first scene with him is like a phone launch. And I don't, I don't know what you're commenting on. I don't know why you're making fun of this. Like this movie has so many targets and I feel like the big target is like climate change and our inability to like do anything as a society around this. I feel like you can kind of focus on that. Um, And maybe a little more focus would have made this movie better, I think, but I think it's definitely worth watching. You know, to me, it's not, I thought vice was unwatchable. This is at least like vaguely it's entertaining. And I think the ending is a bit of a gut punch because it kind of, I don't know. I don't know where we're going, guys, but I kind of feel like it's going to be something 
who knows a little similar Jeff Kanata, uh, Don't Look Up was in your top 10 films of 2021 last week. It was. What did you think of this movie? Well, Dave, I guess you could say what I think of this movie is best summed up in the form of a limerick. At a time when our morbidity hurdles toward us with rapidity, this epitaph lets me laugh at our sad, profound stupidity. Oh, that was beautiful, Jeff. That was beautiful. Thank really you. good. Really good. I don't know if morbidity is used correctly. Oh, it is. It's it's intentionally it's intentionally uh-huh. a pun uh-huh. because uh, morbidity morbidity is a word that means uh, the spread of disease. Yeah, yeah. No, okay. Got you. I got you. Got you. I, I see. I see. Yeah, yeah. No. In that case, forget what I just said. Absolute brilliant masterpiece. Really well done. No joke. I think that was very very good. Thank you. Just like this movie, which I think is brilliant. Uh, I loved now it. Now you lost it, me. <laughs> it, is, it, is, it was number 10 on my top 10 last week. And uh, I just, I love it. I think it's going to be one of those movies that we look back on and and reference a lot. Uh, in the, or at least I will. I, I will think about it a lot. I think it is, it is like, um, um, what's the name of the no, don't even the, say it don't even say idiocracy it. idiocracy <laughs> right that, honestly even that uh, don't movie. even don't even <laughs> yeah. no it, I mean, it I is very that, is very much idiocracy i agree yeah right it is it, 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 idiocracy is i think not as good a movie as this uh and um yet one that easy to reference all the time because of how how it parodies something that has become a self-parody and uh this movie does it I think Idiocracy kind of did it, uh, it before things became like Idiocracy to that extent. And this movie is happening, you know, contemporaneously yeah. with it. Um, but, I, I, you know, it's it's difficult to get to parody uh, in in the world we live in. And yet this movie achieves it. It is very funny. I will say, I mean, you guys have already spoiled it twice now. But I, 15 minutes in, there is a joke with Jennifer Lawrence that. Made we're, me... we're trying to get people to watch this movie, Jeff. Okay, like yeah. if I if I could bring up the one thing that I thought well, was funny, I would, I, I'm gonna bring the, it up. The better way to do that is to say, at 15 minutes in, there is a joke. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I found uh, after that moment, I was like, well, regardless of where this movie goes, I'm in love with this. And I thought the movie kept getting funny and smart. I think it is a huge mistake to compare this to The Big Short. There are completely different films tonally. Like they're not even attempting to do the same thing. Like the big short is an actual legitimate straight up movie. Uh, and this is, like I said in, in you know, last week in our top 10, this is more akin to something like airplane or Dr. Strange love or uh, naked gun. It, it, it is definitely it naked is, gun. I, I definitely see the naked gun comparisons more than Dr. Strange love. Yeah. Well, I think Dr. Strangelove has those, I mean, it has those, you know, over the top, mm-hmm. uh, not realistic in any way gags. And I, and, and that's what this movie is doing. There's, it is not intended to be taken as, uh, like the big short, like a, like a, a view of a realistic world. Although, you know, by exaggerating, I think it points to the things in our world that are, hard to believe hard to swallow that with with uh, you know parody often you get clarity and uh i think this movie really skewers its target with precision i i 
I absolutely laughed, but I absolutely saw the, you know, the, the, the overlap of, of how our world is working right now, especially during COVID. It's, it's remarkable, remarkable to me, this movie was written before COVID happened uh, because it is so applicable to, to how that phenomenon worked its way through the media and how, you know, don't look up is as a slogan is, uh, you know, all too believable uh, in this day and age. And I am frankly shocked to hear you guys uh, dog Mark Rylance. Cause I, I mean, Mark Rylance is one of my favorite actors and I think what he's doing in this movie is so funny and so spot on. He's like, you know, a mashup of Steve jobs and Mark Zuckerberg and everybody. He's all of them all at once. And it is, a, it's a send up of us just of capitalism saving the day. I mean, that's, that's the entire yeah. Point is to I say. Th- I think he could have done it without the ticks. It is. It is the. Well, or, if you sort watch of like, Mark Rylance in yeah. any other movie, he's not. That's how Mark Rylance talks. Have you seen him in uh, literally any other movie? I've seen him in many, many movies. He does not. <laughs> he does not talk like that, sir. Like he, yeah. he is putting on an affectation that I think is is a little offensive, to be honest. Like well, just it didn't offend me. I didn't find. I I, I think it is. Uh, Whatever, everything offends. Uh, but th- I think that the the point that is being made with that character is one that landed for me, and I feel like it is certainly not punching down in that case. It is punching up in a big way mm-hmm. because these are the kinds of people that uh, move our world, that that define how governments move, define how all of us as individuals are going to be dealing with these kinds of things. And I think it is absolutely, um, it is absolutely believable that a, you know, as described in the, in the film, the third richest human who has ever existed would, uh, you know, be a major player in, in, in how all this works out rather than any Mm -hmm. responsible, you know, it's, it's capitalism saving the day rather than the people who actually know the most about any of this. Yep. Um, and, and I, I don't know, I, I found the movie to be, uh, prescient and clever and hilarious and entertaining. You know, it, it, I, perhaps the, the touchstone for Dr. Strangelove to me is that I felt like the guy riding the bomb and laughing on the way down watching this movie, because it's like, I'm, I'm laughing at something that I know is deadly serious and horrific at the same time. And I think the movie able to do that is one I'm impressed with. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, it Maybe it, it's comedy subjective. So it's also very hard to like say, you know, you found this funny. I didn't find it funny. It's, you can't really sure. argue that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, my main thing is I wish this movie had more teeth because if, if there's one thing Dr. Strangelove has, like it is a biting satire of the cold war and everything like the nuclear powers were going through back then. I feel like too much of this movie is just saying shit that we we know. Yes, it's very obvious. I turn on the news and I see I see that joke. What I want is for you to take all this talent you've gathered, some of the best actors around right now, and just try a little harder. And I think the ending kind of gets there. Um, and we'll talk about that in spoilers. Uh, I, just, I wish more of the movie. I wish more. The movie had more of that throughout, like a toothless satire is kind of a sad thing to see sometimes because then it just feels like you're just, you're just kind of filleting your audience. 
You know, like you're, you're showing them exactly what they want already, what they believe. You're not really challenging anybody in any way. Whereas I think at least like something like Dr. Strangelove was more subversive and interesting. Yeah. I uh, agree completely with everything Devinder just said. Um, I want to start my comments by saying a couple things. First of all, Jeff, I have enormous respect for you. <laughs> Let me start gonna off start, this attack. Going to start by putting that out there. Praise. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I do. I legitimately do have enormous respect for Jeff. I think he is articulate, uh, erudite often brings insights into the movie that we're talking about that I would never have considered. Um, love you, man. Love you, Jeff. Um, I'm also <laughs> going to say this. <laughs> Movies are miracles. You know, I've said this before and, <laughs> and we, we end every review and yeah. I always say like, at the end of the day, it's amazing that so-and-so made a movie because it really is just like, can you imagine like, it's basically like a play Mm-hmm. You know, that people can capture onto this technology and you can replay it any time. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. Like our ancestors would would cower in fear at this amazing technology of movies. Yeah. And it's so <laughs> beautiful that we get to live they, in they a time. They made this during ex- a pandemic. Imagine the work involved in making this movie. Yeah, well, yeah, it's, yeah, it's almost like you. we have yes. a sponsor that you could listen to the entire story of how they did that. Mm-hmm. 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 Yes, it's true. Um, and, and it's beautiful. Beautiful, Jeffrey. Um, it's beautiful that, that movies exist, that we exist at the same time as movies, that you can pay, you know, the price of like an expensive sandwich and get a movie delivered to your Apple TV and watch it for the rest of your life. You know, that's basically the amazing time that we live in right now. I watched, according to Letterboxd, 114 films in 2021. And when I watch movies, I because of everything I just said, I always try to give movies the benefit of the doubt. I start every movie rating at two and a half stars and go and try to go up from there, you know? Um, Because I'm like, making a movie is so hard. It's so difficult. Um, It it takes years off your life. And, you know, you have to feel really strongly about what you want to say to to make a movie. Um, And so I always start at two and a half stars and I'm like, you know, can I find an excuse to give this more than two and a half stars? And I always try. Out of the 114 films that I watched in 2021, only four of them received under two and a half stars. <laughs> and this is one of them. It received one star because it is my least favorite film of 2021. Um, I hate this movie. I, uh, I think it's really... The, the thing that I would use... The word that I would use to describe it, if I could say one word to sum up this movie, it's smug. It's this whole attitude behind this movie and all of Adam McKay's last movies, including The Big Short including Vice, there is this whole attitude of, I'm smarter than you. You know, you don't really even know what you want. Me, the guy who made Step Brothers, is going to be able to tell you what it is that you need to consume right now. You're too dumb to conceive of, you know, uh, things like what short selling is. We need to have Margot Robbie explain that to you in a bathtub. And I feel like this whole movie's attitude is... uh, I'm smarter than you and you need someone like me to educate you on how dumb you are. Uh, but there's and that's nothing, what, there's nothing yeah. in this movie that works like that Margot Robbie scene. Not a single moment. Well, there is that. I mean, there is a moment that it's like, you know, it, it's this, this whole attitude of like, 
There's that thing where he like cuts away to the space organization, and he's mm-hmm. like, "Yes, there really is a thing like this. Did you know that there's a thing like this? Mm-hmm. You know, oh. I agree that it's not it's not the same it's not thing. The same. And it's, it's not, not even it's, it's not remotely what you what you referenced, which is Margot Robbie explaining a a very difficult thing. But what you're talking about in this movie is there is a person in the movie who says, "I've never heard of that. Is that a real or is that a real department?" And then yeah, the yeah, movie yeah. stops and goes, "Yes, it's a real department. Here's its logo." No, That's I, the I would extent agree. Of it. That's the extent of it. I agree that, not, that structurally... It's not Margot Robbie okay, hey, stopping hey, hey, the movie and describing... I agree that structurally it does not do that exact same thing, Jeff, but I think the attitude is the same. And certainly none of my beliefs on this topic are disabused by did, Adam McKay's behavior on the internet in, the, not, in the wake did, of this movie's release. Did you know that that was a real department in the, in the government? Because I did not. I would have thought in a movie where there is a lot of uh, fantastical things that don't exist like robots that can do fission bombs on top of asteroids, I would have thought that that was a fake organization that they made up for the movie, like all of the fake corporations that they made up for the movie. And it seems to me that when you reference something like that that most people don't know exists and sounds fake and is real, it might be useful, not smug, but actually hmm. uh, A, a joke, and B, useful information to go, oh my God, that is an actual thing that exists. That's how I took it, at least. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I don't think that's an unreasonable uh, reaction to have to it. Um, I mean, I think that, you know, a lot of the commentary that Divindra is saying, a lot of the commentary that uh, Victor in our chat room is talking about as we're broadcasting this live is that, like, the, uh, the satire, I would argue, doesn't go hard enough. A lot of yes, these go things, harder, go harder. A, a, a lot of the things that happen in this film feel like just references to things that actually happened in real life, right? And we're, we're supposed to look at these references and I guess see it as some profound oracular insight into our current human condition when it's like, I got nothing new from this film. I got nothing, no insight about how fucked we are um, and how like, you know, I, I feel like, hey, we're seeing the world reflected back at, at us in one of the least insightful ways possible. So anyway, well, I, I didn't like the film. I, I would yeah. respond to that. It's... I'm not going to talk you into liking it, but uh, I would, I, it, it's weird. First of all, it's weird to me to hear, like, I feel like there's such baggage in you saying the film is smug. I feel like that's baggage you're taking in from the filmmaker that doesn't really live in this movie because it, I, I don't see anything smug per se in this movie. I think, but that's a whole yeah, other issue. The way it treats I, I, I the person's followers. I, like they're, they're, I watched yeah, the movie before I even knew the like extremely terrible response that that Adam McKay had on the internet about it. Like I I, I formed my opinion before I knew about it. Well, but you you had seen previous Adam McKay movies that you clearly have not enjoyed and felt were smug. Oh, like that, I mean, that's true. I'll give you that. I'll yeah, give you that. But yeah. That's my only point. But yeah. the the um I would say if if your accusation is that it provides no insight i found that the machinations of how the the media machine and the the government and uh celebrity culture and all of those things now obviously we've seen those play out in in the real world and you can say well it's obvious from looking at the real world but this is that's the way satire and comedy works right it, is that it it sh- it mashes all that up. It shows the interplay of all that stuff, and it exaggerates it 
in a point that to a point where it's like, oh, I see the familiar, I see it that it's it's funny, and I also am making connections about how all of those things fit together to create the situation that we're actually in now. And that's what this movie is doing. It's it's not it is not actually stopping and saying, hey, this is how shorting a stock works. It's instead showing here's a here's a character who has all the right intentions, but is seduced by media culture and seduced by an actual other person. Uh, and so all of these sort of human frailties come into play on both a an individual level and on a systemic level where the systems themselves fail and the the desire to, you know, desire for power, desire for money, desire for, uh, you know, the, the, the machinations of capitalism itself are all working to make all of these tiny little movements of, of, uh, you know, a, a mistake or not taking it seriously or, or actively misleading people, how all like these tiny steps add up to huge misunderstandings, terrible decision-making, uh, and catastrophe. Like that's, that's the takeaway for me that is actually uh in, in, in maybe insightful is not the right word but at least um interesting mm. yeah i mean fun. i guess i would just say i guess i would just say that until the last third of this film i would say that the exaggerating that you're describing is barely exaggerating you know like i i feel like there's very little in this movie that i argue that i would argue Actually, feels that different than what would actually have happened in reality. Isn't that crazy? That's yes, crazy. Because like, this movie is bonkers. Like the shit that happens is nuts, and the fact that that is not too far away from reality is is part of why I love the movie. It's like, but uh, I, I feel like you know Leonardo DiCaprio. So why this? Why the smuggling? You know, probably I shouldn't have opened that way because you know I think you're right. It does open me up to accusations that I'm bringing in a lot of baggage, which I am. But I do think that Leonardo DiCaprio is kind of a Adam McKay surrogate in this movie, right? And I think him, sort of his disbelief, his screaming, all, all that stuff, he, he, he's kind of representing that sort is, of Ad, Adam McKay's point of view, right? I cannot disagree m more. I, I, if anybody's the Adam McKay surrogate, it would be Jennifer Lawrence. Sure, sure. I'm sorry. Yeah, but like the, the protagonist is what I'm trying to say. Like they represent basically... What, you're, you're right because of the path that Leonardo DiCaprio goes down in this movie. I, I agree. Mm -hmm. yes. But yes, yes. So Jennifer Lawrence, exactly right. But I'm saying like it, it, it is that kind of perspective of like you guys are fuck sticks, you know, like that. Like, but no, but you're so no, stupid. Yeah, but there's nothing ahead. smug about that, right? Because the the path that Jennifer Lawrence's character takes is the more the, her sort of legitimate reaction that anyone presented with this information should have, which is to scream from the mountaintops is on the face of it the when when played back to any audience you look like a lunatic and i think that that's that i love the jennifer lawrence character i think jennifer lawrence's character is for me the makes the movie She's because she, i don't think it's smug at all i think it's like it's it, it is a a cry for help and yet you also see like any proportionally appropriate response is on the face of it lunacy and that's the that's where we are in the world right now like to to be <laughs> to be given the the data and react in the appropriate manner is to behave like a completely unhinged person 
And I, 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 that's one of the, my favorite things about this movie is that, you know, they start making fun of her and, and memes start happening about how she's got crazy eyes and all this stuff. And it's like, yeah, that's the appropriate, that's the appropriate response to what we're go- We're literally the actual thing that's happening in the planet. But I do I wish, uh, she's great. I, I agree with you there, Jeff. The movie doesn't focus on her as much, right? Like it is so unfocused. Like it is, it is hitting so many other targets at the same time where yes, I agree. I kind of feel like Adam McKay here, like channeling that rage into this primal scream of a movie. And then after a certain point, it feels like he he is just like shouting things that are making him angry about modern culture. You know, like we care too much about celebrities. You know, we care too much about uh, pop stars than we do uh, the, the stuff that is going to destroy us as a planet. And after a while, it just feels like an old guy, like shouting everything he hates, you know, and uh, throwing darts at it and making a movie out of it. And it could have, there was so much more potential to kind of go harder. And we should go to spoilers. Yeah, because let's I go think to spoilers. where this but movie I'll just goes say, is more interesting than where it begins. Yeah, I'll just, yeah I, I would agree with you there. I would say, uh, and also to quote Victor uh, in the chat room, Victor G- D. Giovanni, the smugness comes from the satire being so on the nose and uncreative. Yeah. It's so basic that it feels like it's just saying, hey, stupid. Did you notice this? Huh? Did you notice it? I anyway. Think, I think honestly, you know, no offense to Victor. All my offense is reserved for Dave. That's fine. I, I completely 100% agree with Victor. So, so bring it on. Jeff. I'm, I'm just ahead. being silly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, I think that speaks more to the viewer than it does to the, to the filmmaker. Like you, you feel that you're being talked down to. And so you sort of reject it and I, I think that speaks more to you and what you no, brought into the that theater. Adam McKay has done in the time since this movie is released has indicated anything other than that he is talking down to his audience. Like, well, I haven't watched. I, I got the feeling that he's that talking stuff. down to his audience. Then he actually, in real life, talks down to his audience. So, so it's like, yeah. what is and, it? That and you, David Serrata as well. Right. Like, like what, it, so it I don't weird. get it, Jeff. Like, what is the? I haven't. Like, I haven't read any of that stuff. So you're. <laughs> I'm, I'm yeah, taking no, the text fair, as the fair. text, and I, I, I honestly, I, and um, I'm saying I'm reading the text too. You know, I'm not not reading the text, Chef. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, we're reading the text in very different. And ways, I think, like, right? when it comes to smugness, like the thing that really gets me is just like the really, I, I think the portrayal, of Meryl Streep's portrayal as a sort of like they, they, I don't know if they outright say it, but she, she's very much like a Trump-like conservative president, yes. you know, and the way her followers are basically just like mindless sheep who are just kind of eating up all her stuff uh, until the very end. And, you know, that, that, that is very pointed. But the way that is all constructed, the, you know, there, there's, a, there's a conversation Jennifer Lawrence has with her parents. And we'll talk about that in spoilers, so many things. Let's get to spoilers like, right now. Let's, yeah, just, let's just get yeah. to it right now. Let's just get to spoilers for Don't Look Up. Now you're looking for the secret. Can I see this coming? No. But you won't find it because, of course... You're not going to see this coming. You're not really looking. I have been puzzling over how it works. You don't really want to work it out. Who's in the box? I have been dying to tell you. I want to tell you my secret now. You want to be fooled. Why don't you finish that thought, Devendra, about Jennifer Lawrence? So Jennifer Lawrence goes to her parents' house, basically after becoming a media pariah, being chased out of her job. Uh, She goes back to her hometown and she tries to go home. Her parents uh, refuse to let her in because they are for the jobs that the comet will provide. And I'm sure in a situation like this is when I fully got on board with this movie. Right. Like when they had the the failed Armageddon plot line, I was like, oh, hello, you're you're doing something interesting 
finally, like two two hours or an hour 45 into this movie, like something is happening here. And uh, I found a lot of that really compelling, the idea that a tech billionaire would uh, have his fangs in, you know, the presidency and an administration so much to be like, you know, that's uh, what you see as a threat. I see as profit. Um, I, I could see a lot of that argument right now. Um, Jeff Bezos. A, a lot of other people are looking at asteroid mining, which is also a real thing that is happening. Like they are making plans for it, not for asteroids headed right to us. Asteroids are like in the asteroid belt, I believe. Um, but that is a thing because ultimately all we really care about as a civilization is like profit. You know, that's, that's all, that's all we want. But that conversation with her parents just felt so, it was such like a dumbed down thing. You know, I laughed at first and then I was like, what? Is that, is it going to be really that dumb? I don't know. So a lot of that stuff rubbed me the wrong way, Jeff. Like that's my main thing. Um, it didn't, it didn't look at those people as humans. It didn't look at the followers of the president as humans, like more like the caricatures that we would expect, you know, the way we would make uh, the way the daily show or something would make fun of Trump supporters. I feel like there is room to go deeper and be a little more interesting than that. That's all. Um, you know, let me talk about some of the things I liked about the movie because I haven't done that yet. Uh, there are a couple things I enjoyed. I, I will say that Kate Blanchett is awesome in this film. So good. Uh, I think that she's doing like a, a Mika parody, right? From Morning Joe, if I'm not, if I I have no understand clue. correctly. I think it's a, and it's it, it, you're you know pick a blonde Fox News person. <laughs> you know that's a it's, it's a it's a pan <laughs> anchor. I, don't know. I, I feel like it's directed specifically at Mika because like the font that they use for that show feels very similar to Morning Joe. Anyway, um, and like her mannerisms are similar. Anyway, but whatever. You know, I, I I think you're right. But like she's she's amazing in this movie. I think and um and I, I you're right, Jeff. Like the 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 Fox News component of it, I think is also like a reference to Gretchen Carlson who went to Stanford, but then like was on Fox and Friends. And I think that yeah, like her the idea is that like she's this extremely intelligent she's legitimately person. brilliant right she's legitimately brilliant but like feels the need for whatever reason career or whatever to like dumb it down yeah. for um for the audience and and there's something kind of like sad and tragic about that that i think the movie does bring out so i did like that and i do think like the end component um the final third of the movie or mm -hmm. final half hour is is actually like legit interesting <laughs> because it's actually like exaggerating enough in my opinion to actually have teeth to the satire which is like yes. this idea that capitalism is going to be kind of like the solution in some way and of that course the tech billionaire yeah. would literally throw humanity like put the face fate of humanity at stake of this like potential uh you know money maker but also have his escape you know his escape land like of yeah. course yeah. that makes complete sense as yeah well. i love when he like just leaves like uh, as, as it's all going along he's just like yeah. I'm, I'm going to be right back i'll just <laughs> and then the president leaves too and doesn't yeah. take her son. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there were a couple of things I, I did like uh, about the film and, uh, but that's about it. Jeff, um, the any, fight, the, let's talk about the final. Yeah, let's talk, so, so Devendra, this is basically the reason you wanted to review this movie, right? Is because of this, yeah. this scene. And I assume you're talking about basically like the dinner scene mm -hmm. um, and like basically the end of the world. It's right? really, it's, it's the end of the world. And uh, there's a lot of like melancholia vibes here too. Mm, yep, um, yep. But of just like accepting, well, like, hey guys, we had a good run. And then you, what can you do? What can you do? when the apocalypse is coming really is do all that matters, you know, 
be with your family, be with the people you love, try to try to be normal, try to do something normal. And, uh, you know, kind of accept that you have no control over this situation. I just found it like really, really sharp and cynical in a way like I didn't expect from this movie because everything I had seen before just felt like they wouldn't have gone this far. But no, this movie destroys the earth, pretty much ends humanity. And uh, there are mid and post credit scenes where you see them on the on the new planet and uh you know things go badly there too i thought that was pretty funny um but really it's just like that lingering feeling you know because we're we're, we're in it again everybody it is january 2022 we are hunkering down for another wave of covid um we're looking at an administration that is just now i, I just saw a tweet saying the uh what was it the um the cdc may be recommending kn95 masks and n95 masks and somebody just tweeted like guys the pandemic began two years ago what are we doing what are we doing right now um so yeah there's a lot of that and i think you know just looking at where we are now i think the uh the sort of like um the the cynical way that this movie kind of takes things makes a lot of sense because ultimately it is capitalism destroying rest right it is it is the CEOs of these big companies that really lean on the CDC and the Biden administration to be like, hey, guys, maybe those 10 uh, day, uh, you know, isolation periods should be shorter because uh, reasons and we need bodies, you know, uh, working. We need people working. Um, th- there's a lot of that. I have a lot of feelings about like where we are now and how this movie ends. So that's why I ultimately do come down like kind of positive on this. I just feel like it is also like ultimately a wasted opportunity to do something more um, because you're, we're only going to get so many chances to like really make people aware of the fact that, uh, that things are getting real bad. You know, people, people are dying because of extreme weather events right now. And a lot of people are still, you know, pretending like the idea of climate change isn't really happening. So we're, we're, we're at a point where like the messaging has to be on point. We kind of have to like, be smarter about how we talk about this stuff. I don't feel like this movie quite hit that, but at least the ending kind of got, it made me feel something. I mean, I kind of enjoyed the ending too, specifically Mm -hmm. uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's last line. I think he says something along the lines of, we really did have everything, you know, something like that. Yeah. And there is this idea behind it that um, humanity together could have come together and solved this big problem and chose not to, uh, primarily because of greed. And we really did have everything. Like we had all the resources we needed, we had mm-hmm. all the stuff we needed, um, and we we chose not to. And there's something like really tragic about that. Um, so yeah, Jeff, any, any thoughts on the ending? No, I agree with everything you guys have said. I, I thought the ending was awesome. Uh, I love the mid credit scene. Uh, where they get out and and yeah, the, the president gets eaten by a creature and he like knows the name of the creature already and I like, I think that's called a alba dinosaur or something like it's like yeah. hilarious didn't, didn't mind it didn't mind it um, very funny the the ending part but um, yeah I mean I thought it was a kind of a beautiful ending and bleak and uh, hopefully uh, jarring to uh, you know mainstream audiences that seem to be watching this movie in droves, which pleases me greatly because hopefully, you know, as, <laughs> as on the nose, as you guys say, it is, you know, maybe it'll break through to some folks that yeah. might not accept the, uh, 
message in any other form than in, in a comedy with a bunch I, of I don't know if stars. like beating down a potential audience about like how stupid they're being is I, man, the, I just don't is the get... best solution there. That's the thing. Like I'm not talking about like even like I'm not talking about people who already are convinced that climate change is a real thing. I'm talking about like the people who are like actively opposed to this and like that's again it's tough, right? How do you how do you get those people in? Should you even be trying? I don't know, but it, it seems like we have the ability, you have a platform with some of the world's biggest stars on a network that is global to like really say something here. I just kind of wish it went harder. That's my main thing. I mean, I would love to know what you think that looks like going harder, but I, 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 it looks like Dr. Strange left. Like, well, it, yeah, it looks I mean, like I actually would argue, that. I know this will serve to discredit me. But I would argue that Search Party does a better job of sort of sending up and satirizing oh Search Party uh, our is doing media a lot obsessed culture yeah. than than this movie does. You know, mm-hmm. but I know a lot of people will hear that and think that, and, my and that is a show is that's invalid. wrestling with like <laughs> bad traits of its audience, right? That is a show about millennials and how much like how self centered uh, people say millennials are, and it can kind of be sometimes. But it is an examination of that, you know, it, it is a it's a mirror that the audience can look back on and laugh at themselves and be like, huh, maybe maybe we are a little like this or, you know, maybe it's just poking fun at certain things that shows at least smarter about that mirror. I feel like this one is just uh, it's just doing everything we expect, basically, except for, for the good ending. Uh, Jeff, do you buy that? What do you think? No, <laughs> I mean, I, I, <laughs> I know. I mean, I, I, I love what Search Party is is doing. I'm not going to disagree with, with Search Party. I think Search Party is is brilliant and biting in its own way. But I mean, it's apples and oranges, in my, in my opinion. I don't, you know, I, I don't understand. I, I fundamentally don't understand this notion that this movie is sort of targeting a, a single group of people and saying they're dumb. I, I, I don't have the context of sort of interviews. I mean, the that title of the movie is, is the like phrase the president has been using to like tell her people to not look up at the obvious, you know, death ball coming right to you. And it seems like for, for a while that was actually working until somebody actually looked up and Hey, it gave credit, gave some agency to her followers there. So that's a good thing, but it's, it's just a lot of that. Like it, but I think it's an yeah. equal opportunity. I, I think the movie is saying it's all crazy, all of it, all around us. And even sure, sure. even somebody like Leonardo DiCaprio, his character, who you know is the person who f- first understands the ramifications of uh, and how important this is, and is trying so hard, gets swept up mm-hmm. in the the stupidity of it all. The I th- it's also important that he is bad at it at the beginning too. Like and I think that is that speaks to like how the CDC, uh, especially early on. Uh, was not great about talking about the severity and about like things people should actually be doing. And even to, right. to this day, like not the communication of major scientific concepts is a big deal. It has, you know, wide social ramifications. I, I do think like, and uh, you know, Victor in the chat is pointing to this, like it's targeting all of us. That is certainly true. Um, I'm not saying like, it's only making fun of the Trump followers. I'm just saying like, it is not doing anything that's super interesting other than being like, man, doesn't it suck? Yeah, it sucks. Yeah. I mean, that's Th- kind of, sucks. that's that's basically how I feel. That's, yes, yes. I mean, that, that's kind of what it feels like And I me. agree, it sucks. Yes. So tell me more, yeah, tell me more. The, I well, agree. The thing. That's the thing, is we agree fundamentally with this point of view. I mean, I think, is, if In anything, contrast, tell me what, tell me what. I'm asking a, as, for a yes and. 
You well, know? tell me how yeah. Search Party, for example, is saying something different than than it. Than I mean, I just I just told you, like, well, it, think, it is a smarter examination of like its its subject matter and the. People I, I would say to start it. with, yeah. I would say to start with that, in my opinion, there is little question that Search Party is exaggerating all of the negative traits of its characters to mm-hmm. the point of absurdity. Whereas I just honestly don't feel like this movie does that that much. You know, like a lot of this stuff feels like it could have actually happened. And you might say, well, then that that means it's more insightful and good. But I'm saying then I, I don't know that it's really satire then. You know, it's um, that's that's yeah, that's my reaction is is these things are like like. Sorry, go ahead, Jeff. You, you I just think that um, what I'm hearing, and maybe I'm misinterpreting what you're saying, but what I'm hearing is that you feel like the movie does feel more like a big short. Uh, and and I I just I just did not. Mm-hmm. It, it uh, is saying everything that people are saying. Oh, now. Let, like, let Jeff finish because he hasn't yeah. had that much time to talk during this. I, go ahead. I Jeff. did not engage with it on on that level at all. I engaged with it like a Saturday Night Live sketch or MacGruber or Naked Gun. Uh, it, it it felt to me like a big, broad, goofy comedy that was actually about something real. And, and and in that sense, I never I never felt like it was trying to tell you this is a legitimate view of the world. It always felt like I feel like there's, a, there's right on the edge of my my mind. There's another great example of what this is like to me, and I can't quite put my finger on it. But it, you know, it, it is it to me feels like a uh. A, a a romp, a real like goofy romp that also, you know, f- at the center of it is about something dire and terrible. And that's what's so fun is that for me, it, that's what was so fun is that it, like it is it is something that made me laugh, gut laugh, while I was reminded at how absurd and terrifying the world is. I will say this. I do think that what the last couple of years have shown um, is that when it comes to something like climate change, you, you know, you could read "Don't Look Up" as an allegory for any catastrophe. You could, you could read it as an allegory for for COVID and pandemic for sure. Yeah. Um, I, I don't. I'm not saying it's only referring to climate change. I think the fact that it's like going to destroy Earth it does make it more pointed about climate change, but. I, I do think that um, we as a species are, are in fact, like truly fucked when it comes to climate change. You know, I, I do think that we have not been able to agree on how to solve this uh, situation that we're in right now, the pandemic, that's like much easier to conceive of and solve than climate change, you know, uh, which is much more complicated. The effects are much slower to see um, and it will impact like lots of different people differently. Uh, especially if you're in different places around the world. And uh, if we can't solve this together, you know, which we've proven ourselves pretty incapable of, um, then something like climate change, it just feels completely beyond our grasp. Maybe in the future, people will be smarter and it will be okay. But, you know, who knows? Hmm. Um, And so I actually fundamentally agree with what this movie is saying, right? Um, I just disagree with the manner in which it's saying it, you know? And I think that's, at the end of the day, it feels uh, to me like a like a like a real wavelength movie. You know, like you're mm-hmm. either on this movie's wavelength or you're or I you're not. I think that's right. I think and, that's right. Yeah. And I and I I happen to like that it is polarizing. Uh I I happen to like the fact that folks just don't click with it. Um and I I'm really glad that I did. I I I 
I, I was on board, like I said, 15 minutes. The first 15 minutes, I think are interesting because you're like, ooh, what's going on? And then 15 minutes in, Jennifer Lawrence can't get over the fact that this dude wanted to sell her. And I just was like, yeah, this movie's wavelength is, I am simpatico. I am like on board. And I it just, I kept laughing and and kept thinking it was, uh, it was a, a lot of fun as all, and also you know, resonant. All right. Well, I think we can wrap it up there. Um, and at the end of the day, as much as it pains me to say it, it is pretty <laughs> impressive that Adam McKay made a film. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I think, uh, Jeff, I appreciate you engaging with us today. I think this conversation, honestly, is very representative of what the online conversation about this movie has been like. I mean, um, we should yeah. say, uh, clearly, the best part of this conversation has been the contributions of Victor, who has made, who's been, I think, a clear fourth member of this podcast throughout. I mean, I don't, no, no disagreement here. No disagreement here. Um, thank you, Victor, in the chat for for uh, helping us out here. But um, yeah, so uh, this has been a very contentious conversation, but it's also a very polarizing film. And uh, it's a 55% Rotten Tomatoes, a lot of really strong opinions on both sides. And I, I, I do honestly feel like we have represented the different elements of the argument fairly. Other than feasibly. the climate denier like angle. What are they thinking? You know, what are they doing? <laughs> what are they, they're not watching. What, it. what, yeah. what is on their mind? They're busy this? watching red notice. You know? uh, so. The, the, uh, the my, anecdotally, my experience has <laughs> red been notice. Nice reference. <laughs> yeah. The, my experience has been, uh, we talked about this a while back in an after dark about how like, you know, when people talk to you about movies, this has been one of those experiences for me where uh, family members, friends have been like, hey, have, did you see Don't Look Up? And my response is always, yes. And then I wait to see how they, because it'll, because it, this is a love it or hate it. There's really, mm -hmm. it's very little in between. And it, the next response will be like, oh, we loved that movie. Or, oh my God, that was garbage. And, and so I'm always waiting to just, you know, so what, what, what is your strategy, Jeff? Like, if they I, say it's garbage, it's to validate whatever it is that they said. <laughs> I, you I know, that's it's fair. Not, I'm not going to have this conversation with them, right? This is this is a this is the podcast conversation, but this is not like the friend conversation. Good enough for the not for anyone you actually give a shit about. It. Right, right, right. <laughs> no, but I mean, this is not uh, this is not the you know. Thankfully, my dad was like, we loved it. And I got to be like, oh, me too. But then uh, there's definitely friends who are like, did you watch Don't Look Up? You know, that people, we talked about this. People, you know, people, I'm sure in your life too, engage with you because they know you mm -hmm. do a film podcast. And they're like, yeah, did you see the, I just saw the latest thing. I'm sure you already saw it. Yeah, I did. What did you think? And I was like, well, what do you think? <laughs> you know, I'm here. I'm here to just validate whatever you, <laughs> you thought, friend I, and I family just, member. Yeah, yeah. And I, 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 you know, I would argue that I think my comments about this film completely stand on their own, like just taking the text of the film. Mm -hmm. um, but that also, like I came into this film because Devindra recommended it. And I'm like, you know what? I said, it's interesting. It's worth uh, talking know, about. I, like, it definitely was really worth didn't like about. his last two movies, but I'm going to wipe the slate clean and give this one a <laughs> shot. Right. You That's kind of what my did not attitude. wipe the slate clean, Dave. Do not misrepresent that. Because okay. I mean, that's fair I mean, enough. how can yeah. well, it's it's not like you're going to go into every movie completely I, blind of your. I, I, just, I'm not I just think I yeah. just think that Adam McKay views his audience with contempt, 
And if you look at the post credit scene of Vice, uh, which is very much written about, and you can find it online, mm-hmm. um, it gives you a really good sense of what he thinks about his audience. And I'm happy to reflect that contempt back. That's kind of how I feel. <laughs> You know, that, so and, and what I and, and that's completely val- a valid position to take, but that is undeniably baggage that you bring to his. Movies. I mean, we all bring baggage to any movie. Jeff. Yeah, yeah, indeed. I, 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 I would. I, I again. I mean, Jeff, I'm not the only person that felt this way about the movie, right? So it's not like no. I'm a wild outlier that like only I, with the specific baggage I took, could have perceived the film as smug. You know, like I think a lot of people felt it was extremely heavy-handed, not subtle, and yet also at the same time. Didn't go hard enough. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, it's been a delightful chat, Jeff, and I appreciate you having it. And both of you guys, um, Devendra, mm-hmm. cl- much closer to my opinion than Jeff, but you know, yeah. yeah. Um, this is my, this is my chappy. Yeah. Hey, I wrote about, <laughs> I wrote about this movie because I think it's interesting. And yes, this is your chappy, Jeff. Uh, I don't know. I, I, did, I think this movie is a yeah. little more popular than chappy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At least we can agree, Dave. We can agree that, Chappy is horse shit, right? <laughs> Dave, at the end of the day, the you and I can come day, together. We yeah, this is this is what is gonna bring us together is our <laughs> is our mutual disdain of Chappy. Yeah. Now so. now I'm happy we're all gonna die thanks to climate change. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Well, um, you can find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com. Email us at slash filmcast at gmail.com. Support this podcast on Patreon at patreon.com slash film podcast, where you can sign up for ad-free episodes and after darks. Our theme song comes from Tim McEwen whose newest project is Varsity Blue, but you can check him out right now at the midnight. Our weekly plugs bumper comes from Noah Ross. Our spoiler bumper comes from filmmaker and YouTuber Kyle Corwith. This episode was edited by me, David Chen. Next week on the podcast, The Tragedy of Macbeth. The Tragedy of Macbeth is what we're going to be reviewing. It's going to be streaming on Apple TV+. And I'm really excited about it. Yeah. Uh, I've heard this movie is really fantastic. So uh, I can't wait to check it out and talk with you guys about it. It's going to be on Apple TV Plus on January 14th, and we'll be reviewing it next week on the Filmcast. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com.